Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Russ Klein. Praise the Lord. Do you have a praise the Lord in you? Do you got a shout in you still? That's how I feel tonight. I got a shout in me. Don't be afraid to preach tonight, Russ, because I'm going to shout. Listen, man, Russ is such a great friend of God. He is such a great gift of God. He, he talks as fast as Perry Stone. He's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. It's just... He will let it rip. So you've got to listen good. Take some good notes. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to use you mightily and powerfully tonight. And um, your family in this house. Let's give Russ Klein a huge welcome tonight. Thank you all so much. You can take a seat. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I'm going to get down here close to you guys, if that's all right. I appreciate it. Well, look, let me take just a, a few moments as family and kind of catch you up on what God's been doing and how we're doing. Of course, we got to see you all a couple months ago when we just uh, dropped in and, and had a chance to hang out with you all and worship the Lord. So Kim and Shekinah send their greetings. I've talked to them a couple of times today. Uh, they are back home, and uh, Brian keeps saying Virginia Beach. We're about 45 minutes from Virginia Beach, but Hampton, Virginia, and that's okay. Um, but uh, so what happened is, like you all, we don't face the current circumstance in, with fear, but with faith. But how many of you know with faith is wisdom? And so um, God has kept us uh, healthy through all of this last time. And, and, you know, we were shut down for about three months or so. But we've been back on the road for almost a year now. Actually, July 31st, uh, last year, we started back up after a few months of just doing online ministry. And we've been all over America in a lot of different circumstances. And God has kept us healthy. We thank God for that. Um, a few weeks ago, I caught a cold. I rarely get sick. You know, other than this, I stayed healthy most of my life. And um, if, I, if I do happen to catch a cold, whatever, I just, you know, chug down a bunch of vitamin C and zinc and, and get over it pretty quickly. Well, so I recovered from a cold a couple weeks ago. She kind of got it, and she got over it as well. Kim got it then, going around the house. And, um, and uh, it was a little bit more serious, but not real bad. She has had a fever two, three weeks ago uh, for a day or two. Um, and there are no signs of COVID or anything like that. She's nearly recovered. And so thank you for your prayers for that. But part of what we were coming down to do and where Brian and Brent opened the door for us to be with you guys today was I leave tomorrow to go over to Orlando. The Assemblies of God has their uh, general council next week in Orlando. And there's going to be several thousand people inside one building. And so we're not afraid, but how many of you know, with a compromised immune system, fighting off a cold, we just thought wisdom would be for Kim to stay home. And so thank you for your grace uh, allowing me to come. I was joking with the class this afternoon. You know, Kim and Shekinah are a lot easier to look at than me, but you have to put up with me for today, for tonight. And, um, but God's been doing a lot of wonderful things. Uh, I'll, I won't steal Kim and Shekinah's stories. They're the storyteller, uh, storytellers, but... Um, it's been neat. Over the last several months, we're seeing, kind of seeing a rise in healings. 
Um, God giving her specific words of knowledge that have released faith and people being healed. And so it's exciting to watch what's happening uh, with that dimension. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Kim had a fresh angelic encounter. Uh, I was talking to the class today. I said, you know, we, she woke up and said, Russ, there were four angels at the bed. And I thought, I didn't see them, but, you know, she's the one that sees angels and, and all that. So she's just going on in God. Um, here in about a week or so, she's going to be getting away to North Carolina. Uh, family has a, a house, not on the beach, but on the lake. And Kim's going to get away to try to finish her book on her journey into the prophetic. Uh, Shekinah's got 40 to 50 devotionals now written. She's working on a devotional book for young, young adults and teenagers. And so she's got some phenomenal devotionals she's written on uh, hearing the voice of God, on prayer, on purity, on so many different things. And so she's in the process of that. And so um, and, and God's opening doors again to the nations. If you know us, um, Kim and I have been married 37 years, on the road for 35 years. By the grace of God, six continents and 40 nations. Um, and so it's been strange not to be on an airplane much. It's been strange not to have pull out my uh, passport over the last year and a half. And so we're, we're getting ready to launch back in uh, internationally as God opens the doors. And so because of several things, um, years ago, uh, a, a prophetess named Sharon Stone, some of you may know Sharon from Bill Hammond's ministry, um, she prophesied over Kim and I that we would have more than one home and more than one place. Now, as a 20-year-old, how many of you have gotten a prophecy and you tried to figure out what it meant? Well, that we tried to figure it out. And I, I expected we were going to own mansions around the world. That has not materialized at this point. We have a 1960 house in Hampton, Virginia. But what God has done is he's graced us to have home bases in different parts of the world. And so typically, in most years, we spend two to three months based at our base church in London, England. We've been with them since 1993. And from there, go throughout uh, Europe and other parts of the world. And so we've been in touch with them. And about four years ago, God opened up uh, a, a developing base church in Paris and some other things going on. So we are in touch. We're ministering uh, to them on a leadership level. We're talking with them, praying with them, and just waiting uh, for the timing of the Lord. Uh, you know, everybody has their own uh, approach to all of this. We have not uh, taken the, the, I don't call them vaccines. I don't think they really qualify. But we've not taken the jab. And I don't plan on going that direction anytime soon. Uh, and so, but, you know, there, there are uh, uh, restrictions with travel. So we're, we're looking at what else is going to happen. So just a couple of weeks ago, an invitation has come about that is opening the door to do some TV ministry based in Pakistan. So when, uh, in early 2001, I was in Karachi, Pakistan, we were training 1,500 church planters and leaders to uh, reach 58 unreached people groups in Pakistan alone. And it was while I was there that Kim, back home in, in Hampton, found out she was pregnant after 17 years of not being able to have children. And so we announced to the Pakistani leaders the story of Shekinah, the glory of God being released in birth in a fresh way. And the apostle on our team, he's told us and told Shekinah for years now, Jesus can't come back till you go preach in Pakistan. Well, not only are we going to be doing some TV work in Pakistan and from there to hundreds of some nations, but we have been invited in February of next year to come over and minister in Pakistan. And so we're praying about the times, the seasons, the open doors where God is taking us. And so thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support, all those other things that helps us to begin to, uh, to do some of that. So if, if you'll allow me, and I know you will, you want the, the follow the, the, the 
you want us to follow the Spirit of God. I want to share some prophetic thoughts before we get into the message. Um, the message God had put on my heart for tonight, and I do want to bring it, um, is the consuming fire of God. Um, and, and we're going to ap- approach that. We're going to believe that tonight there's going to be a fresh baptism of fire in our lives. But during the prayer time before service, during worship, some of you saw me have my phone. I wasn't uh, checking email or not paying attention. I was trying to write down some things that the Lord was stirring on my heart. And so um, I understand some of this may become personal, but I want to give some prophetic thoughts overall. And one of the things I felt the Lord saying for you as a people is this, that God is calling you to live outside of natural time. You see, being a prophetic people does mean being a forerunner. But sometimes we think it's enough to know what's coming when God's actually asking us to begin to live as if we're already in tomorrow. If you ever traveled internationally, you got to deal with jet lag, right? Well, they tell you that one of the greatest ways to prepare yourself to get over jet lag is you start living according to the timetable of where you're going, not where you're at. I want to say prophetically, we need to start living as if we are in tomorrow, even though we're not quite there yet. Kim Clement, a prophet who's gone on to be with the Lord, he, um, he used to rap his prophecies. How many of you know that Russ is not anointed to rap? But if I remember right, one of Kim's, uh, Kim Clement's uh, well-known prophecies was something like, you're somewhere in the future. And you look much better than you look right now, right? Well, I want to say prophetically, we need to start living in the future. And it's not enough to declare what is coming because the world is not looking for just somebody with another sound bite. And we in the prophetic movement sometimes have been guilty of giving a sound bite to to be clickbait so somebody will visit our website, get clicks and money. I'm not throwing stones at people. I'm saying we as the prophetic people of God need to do better, and that is we need to start living according to the revelation of tomorrow. When the um, Electoral College voted on January 6th, and many of us that were pressing in and believing for different results, and through the months have continued, I remember one of the things, and just to be you know, transparent with you, one of the first things that hit me, other than anger and, and dismay and other things, was almost a sense of hopelessness for the future. Now, I'm not saying it got root, but in my emotions, it was almost, I can't believe it. What is the future going to look like? And especially as I began thinking about Shekinah and her eventual children. And so there are some people that have the mentality of this is not the time to have children. This is not the time to do anything. We need to shore up. We need to shelter ourselves and somehow survive the perfect storm. But you know what? That is not the kingdom mentality. I believe, and this is part of what the Lord is stirring in my heart during worship, is it's time to have babies. I'm going to leave that one alone right there. (laughs) It's time 
to birth the vision. Not just natural babies, but God has put in your hearts as individuals and as a church visions, purposes, kingdom expressions and manifestations that we're waiting for the right time. We're waiting for a better time. But understand, an apostolic anointing is not an anointing that waits until everything is perfected so that it's easy. It's an anointing that breaks through and pioneers. And one of the things I felt the Lord say for Sarasota and where you all are, I, I've never heard this word used in context of a, a city or awakening or revival. I felt the Lord say he wanted this region to be a prototype for the future. Okay? Not just in the church realm. Sometimes we have this idea that all the changes that are around us, that somehow we've just got to figure out a new way to do church. But guys, doing church is not the fullness of what we're called to do or be. As the church to extend and express and manifest the kingdom in, in, um, uh, in authority and manifestation and culture around us. And so I felt the Lord speaking something in my heart and saying, um, one of our sisters during prayer time before service um, was making a quick comment on the classes this afternoon, uh, the prophetic training. And she said something like this, I got answers to questions I didn't even know I had. <laughs> Hear me. The church is to have answers for questions the culture hasn't even started asking yet. Right now, much of our culture is just in survival mode and fighting over outward things. And I, you know, I understand and believe with you all the, you know, the, the mess going on, satanic agendas. I'm not dismissing that at all. But sometimes we get so focused on the argument of the moment, we are not living into the future. And so we need to begin to grab a hold of the revelation of heaven because, look, no matter what it's going to look like three years from now, four years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, what we believe is until Jesus comes back, we are called to arise no matter what the government, no matter what the culture, and express his kingdom. And so instead, hear me, we need to let truth be heard. But I believe, I think Scripture says it somewhere, uh, quit getting involved in useless arguments. Have you ever tried to convince somebody, even in today's uh, climate, that they're wrong and you're right? <laughs> we get so involved in trying to win the argument over masks and shots. And, and again, we need to be involved in that. Please don't misunderstand that. But we need to be thinking ahead of the game. So the Lord was speaking and saying this, I want to bring my church into a future hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and what? Can I tell you 2021, 2022, 2023, 24, will, if Jesus doesn't come back, we're going to hit 2030, 2040, 2050. And some of us are so consumed with strategies of survival. I understand. But we've got to arise and go beyond that. One of my spiritual sons, um, he was reading one time where Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. And Jesus said to the, the crowds, who did you go out to the, the wilderness to see? 
uh, you know, uh, a reed swaying in the wind or whatever. And, and, and he said, no, you went to hear a prophet, but I tell you even more than a prophet. So my spiritual son, he said, he said um, God, what does that mean more than a prophet? And I've never heard anybody deal with this anywhere. And the, he felt the Lord say this, a prophet announces what's coming, but more than a prophet enters into that future and introduces Jesus right into the mix of the circumstance. It's not enough to know what's going to happen tomorrow. We need to be in tomorrow, like Kim Clement prophesied. We need to be in tomorrow so we can be the example, the prototype for what God is doing. So I believe with that, I felt the Lord saying this for you all, that this is the time not to wait until it's comfortable, until it's easy this is a time to start new things when everybody else says you're nuts. Now, please, test that out and let God apply it individually. Don't go off half-cocked with every plan you've got without the, the, the you know, and blame me, all right? But it is time to have babies. It's time to plan for the future. Because until Jesus returns, we need to raise up generations that are going to rise. With that, now I don't know if this is going to apply to some of you individually or not. Um, I felt the Lord saying that there needs to be, and you were talking about training center and, you know, your property. And of course, we're believing with you all about property and buildings. I was reminded as, as Pastor was talking about Isaac. And when he found, and thank God you have a place of peace here, but when he found a Rehoboth, it was the place where you belong. And it was in that place that they dug a final well, and that final well was called Sheba. Do you know the word Sheba means the fulfillment of the covenant or the oath? It means seven, the fulfillment of the covenant of the oath. It's in the place of peace that the well of abundance, not just enough, but abundance to feed the nations is coming. I believe that for your property, that God is going, and who knows, there may be a physical well there, I don't know, but there is going to be a place that God is going to cause you to dig a well. That's not just going to water your flock, it's going to be abundance. So even, what happened with Isaac? Even the kings around came and said, make a covenant with us. Can you believe that for you? That you're going to have a place of peace, but you're going to have a place of abundance. That even the governments of the nation, the governments of this region are going to come and say, make covenant with us. Why? Because there is an abundance. I've believed this for years. Understand, there are the, some that read Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and they say, oh, the church lived together and they had all things common and shared each other's need. And they say, oh, that's socialism. No. Socialism is the government taking what's in my pocket and giving it to someone else. God's kingdom is God gets in my pocket and gives it to someone else. It's not force, it's out of the heart. And out of that mentality, I have felt the Lord say this. He wants to bring to the church to the place of being not only the answer practically or, or the answer spiritually and, and counseling-wise and revelation, but I believe we need to have such abundance in the church that we're not looking for a handout from the government. Look, when, when, people, talk, when people talk about the wealth of the wicked, the transfer of the wealth, there's been so much, in my opinion, there's been so much greed in the way that has been appropriated over the last few years. But I believe God's saying, can I trust you to put millions, billions in your hands to give away? 
Can you imagine what would happen if a city, a state, or a nation in need could come to a church of abundance and the church was supplying that need? I truly believe. I, I, I teach on different kinds of evangelism. One of them I call prosperity evangelism. I truly believe God's going to bless. And I'm not saying we're all going to be filthy rich, but God wants to put abundance in our hands so when we are meeting their need, we're, we're helping them out, it's going to open the door for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? So, in that vein, I sense the Lord saying, please test this, that some of you need to start businesses in a season when it seems like it's stupid to do. I offer this to you to consider. You were talking about training centers during worship. Before you said that, I wrote down here, I believe there need to be entrepreneurial apostolic business training. God's going to take some of you that either grew up here or you've been transplanted here, and you're not just going to sit back in retirement. You are going to train up a generation of entrepreneurs. Now, I felt... I, I wrote this down too. I felt the Lord say there's someone who feels like you're here for your sunset, but God's about to bring a sunrise for a new assignment. All right? Now, that may apply to more than one person. I don't know. So it's okay if I stretch and if I'm wrong, you give me grace? I don't know if the word sunrise or sunset has any specific meaning to somebody. I don't know. It could be, you know, a, 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 a symbol God's used for you before, a, a street name. I, I don't know. But is, is, is there anyone that you have felt kind of like, okay, I'm here and, and it's good, but, you know, I'm here for the sunset years, but there's something stirring in you saying there's still an, another assignment. Does anybody identify with that? I want us to believe that God is going to cause the sun to arise on these things. And so there are going to be new things. There are going to be fresh things that come out with some of that. And so if you'll give me grace, I wrote several things down. Um, for you all as a church, uh, I felt the Lord saying, I'm bringing forth a new spirit of Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb, they were generations but also, the way God put it, and I put it right here, is God is developing you to be, a, to be kingdom spies. You see, uh, Joshua and Caleb, we just think of them in Jericho and, and all of that. You know, give me that mountain. But before they led, they were spies. And they saw and spoke differently than all the other spies. God has not called this house to be an echo chamber of every other Christian leader and church in our nation. You will not be the ten spies who focus on the negative. Now think about it. The, the ten spies that came back with a negative report, everything they said was true as far as the, the facts of it. They just misinterpreted the application of it. The facts are they were surrounded by giants. You see... The ten negative spies, they were focused on the problem. When our main communication on Facebook is about masks and shots and politics. Hear me. We need to discuss that stuff. But when we're mainly focused on the negative, we're releasing fear and not faith. We need to know our enemy. We need to be not ignorant of the enemy's devices. 
please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the, the Joshua and Caleb, they came back saying, yeah, they're giants. But our God is more than able to give us the land. There's a different spirit in this house and in this family. And so you will arise as kingdom spies. And I felt the Lord saying this. I'm going to give you divine connections in this city first and then beyond with some Rahabs. God's going to give you kingdom connections with wicked or broken people. And they will be strategic in God's purposes for the city. So I believe God is saying, recognize people after the spirit and not just by the outward. Because if we're going to move into the future, we need to have those key connections of what God's going to do. So God is preparing you to prepare the way for the city and beyond. Part of how the Lord put it to me was this. I saw like prayer walking, prayer driving, some of these things that we do. And anybody remember an old term called spiritual mapping? I'm not saying you have to go back and repeat all the methodologies, but I believe this, that as you pray and as you drive, as you go through the city and beyond, ask God for key insights of what is going on, what to battle, how to battle. One of the things that we get to do in the Philippines and then um, actually for leaders in Asia is we're teaching and training leaders over there in the prophetic. But it's not just about how to line people up and give them a word. We're literally teaching them how to go into a village that has no church to serve the strongholds of the enemy and the methods of how to reach them because each community is going to be different. God's the same, but the methods have got to be able to be shifted by the wind of the breath of God. And so I believe for you as a house, as a people, as a church, that as you move forward, try to get the strategies for each block, each neighborhood, each dimension of this culture. How many of you know uh, the, the, the uh, what do you call them down here, the snowbirds? How many of you know reaching the snowbirds might be different than reaching uh, the, the young rebellious generation, the orphan generation? There's got to be a way of getting a hold of the strategies of God and all these different things. And then um, when it came to businesses, I believe the Lord said, I want to give some of you ideas that are going to bridge cities and nations in business. So maybe towards the end of service, we're going to pray. If any of these words that I'm sharing corporately apply to you personally, we want to pray that through. All right? And, And we'll do that. Um, here in a little bit. Let's see if there's anything else I need to say at this moment in time. Smile at me. I'm trying to look and see where we're going. And one final thing, at least at this point, before we uh, share the word. Um, I don't know if you have, Brian, if you've been in touch with anybody feeling the same thing, but so many places I'm turning right now, people are feeling like the Lord is saying, Um, he's going to restore the open demonstration of the miraculous. And many are feeling like something about tent meetings. I'm not prophesying you need to get a tent. All right? What I am saying is, let me phrase it this way. Does anybody remember Paul Cain's prophecies and, and Bob Jones and some others talking about a nameless, faceless generation? 
You remember times they would prophesy and say, one day you're going to turn on the news and they're going to say there are no sports to report today because the stadiums are full of people praising God and a nameless, faceless generation will arise declaring the word of the Lord. I remember because we were back in Kansas City and when these things were being prophesied as we were being mentored by the Kansas City guys. And, and I remember them saying, there's going to be crowds of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. They're crying out to God and God's going to take some no-name person, stick on the platform, declare the word of the Lord, signs of wonders, and then they're going to disappear into the crowd, and only Jesus alone will get the glory. Isn't that an amazing? Here is my concern. The church is waiting for people in stadiums when people next door are dying and going to hell. We want God to bring that measure of glory when many times we have not been willing, and you are, but we've not, as the church in America, been willing to, to do the work to prepare for that. You're doing these evangelism uh, outreaches and the street ministries and all of that. And can I encourage you? I was a street preacher for years, and I love all these kinds of things. But let me encourage you. Don't just rely on the method. Don't just rely on the track or whatever. That's good. Those things are good. Don't misunderstand me. You know, the Romans Road and the four spiritual laws and ABC, admit, believe, confess, and all the different methodologies and tools. They're good tools. But can I encourage you? Ask God for revelation into the person's life. And it doesn't have to be, well, you know, some, some detailed word of your birthday was this. and this. I mean, sometimes I, I, I know... There are times that just a word of God loves you is the word of the moment. And, and so don't, don't wait until you have the, you know, the death of a Sean Bolts or something in, in detail before you give a word. So take what God's given you. And so as you go on the streets, you do these things, you know, do the treasure hunting, get it, but walk up to people full of the heart of God and speak life into them. Let God use you. And, and if somebody's sick, lay hands on them and believe for them to be healed. Do all, all these kinds of things. But I want to encourage you to look for methodologies and ways that God wants to train us for stadiums. If we're going to be a nameless face of generation in stadiums, we need to start right here where we are, and you are doing that. So I applaud you and say yes and amen. Um, so I, and, and the Lord just phrased it this way. He said, uh, the voice of healing days. If you're familiar with that, the healing revivals of the 50s, the 40s, 50s, 60s, I, it's, many are saying this is the season we're going to see that rebirthed. And think about it. That came out of the season of World War II. It came out of a lot of different things. And, and if you've studied uh, revival history at all, do you know that approximately every 40 years there's been a fresh visitation in our nation? Mid-1700s, the First Great Awakening. Early 1800s, Cambridge, Kentucky Revival. Um, uh, Mid-1800s, the first great, or Second Great Awakening. The early 1900s, Azusa Street. Mid-1900s, you had uh, um, uh, the he Voice of Healing revivals and Oral Roberts and, and all these others. In the 90s, about 40 years later, there was the fresh move of God, renewal, revival, all these other things going on. But if you go back in history, after the First Great Awakening was the Revolutionary War. After the Second Great Awakening was the War of 1812. After the Third Great Awakening was the Civil War. After the uh, Day of Pentecost, I mean the, uh, the, the Zeus Street was World War I. Right around uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Voice of Healing Revival, you had World War II, then Korea and Vietnam. And then we come into the 90s, and we have the move of God. Then you have 9-11 and all that's going on. I believe this. God offers grace and opportunity to a nation. 
But if we don't respond, what has happened historically? I'm not prophesying war and destruction. What I am saying, this is an opportunity for the church to avoid the judgment on our nation that without God we deserve. So, in light of all of that, I say, what God is it going to take to get your church and the nation to the place where we can fully see the kingdom of God manifest? And the Lord took me, and I'm the segue into the message. Um, I've never preached on this. It's in Luke chapter 12, and uh, verse 35. And if, if you'll allow me to, I want to read this from the message. I do understand the message is a paraphrase, not a translation. And when it comes to actually you know, studying Scripture, it's better to study actual translations. But I, I, I love sometimes the wording of, of the message. Um, and so I want to bring it out of there. So Luke, 20, Luke 12, verse 35. And Luke says, keep your shirts on and keep the lights on. In other words, stay dressed and awake. Be like house servants waiting for their master to come back from his honeymoon. Awake and ready to open the door when he arrives and knocks. Lucky are the servants whom the master finds on watch. The master will put on an apron, sit at the table with them, and serve them a meal, sharing his wedding feast with them. It doesn't matter what time of the night the master arrives. The servants are awake and they're blessed. You know, if the house owner had known what, the night was, what night the burglar was coming, he would not have stayed out late and left the place unlocked. So don't be slovenly and careless. Just when you don't expect him, the Son of Man will show up. Realistically, the church in America has been slovenly and careless. We took off our shirt and we fell asleep. And so the enemy snuck in. And I understand it's not describing every Christian, but by and large, a church in America, we fell asleep and we allowed the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. Spiritually and naturally. Just when you expect him, don't expect him, the Son of Man will show up. Peter said, Master, are you telling this story just for us or for everybody? The Master, Jesus said, let me ask you, who is the dependable manager, full of common sense, that the master puts in charge. Can you imagine a spirit-filled Christian full of common sense? Most of us want to fly around heaven and see angels. I love that. But you know what? God gave spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians a brain. <laughs> you imagine having a conference on how to have common sense? See how many people come. Full of common sense. The master puts in charge of his staff. To feed them well and on time. That man is a blessed man if when the master comes uh, and, and when the master shows up, the servant is doing his job. But if the servant says to himself, the master is certainly taking his time, it begins maltreating the servants and maids, throws parties for his friends, and gets drunk. The master will walk in when the servant least expects it. And boy, I don't know how you, how you deal with this and, you know, the, well... The hyper grace says the master will walk in and give him the thrashing of his life. You say, well, oh, that's just the message. You know what it says in the King James and, and the NIV? It says the master will come in and cut him in two pieces or shred him to pieces. I just let you chew on that a little bit. God is saying when Jesus the master comes back, the church that has fallen asleep, they're getting drunk, they're partying, the master's going to come in and shred them. 
But God's always in a good mood. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Being snarky, forgive me. He's always full of love and joy, but he's also holy. But if the, if the, if the servant does a poor job through ignorance, he'll, go, he'll get off with a slap on the hand. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts, greater responsibilities. And again, we don't have a lot of teaching on that because we all want to know how to do the stuff. One of the things that concerns me as a 58-year-old prophetic minister who's been doing this for 35 years is we have a young generation arising. They're, they're, they're coming up in a post-biblical culture, no understanding, no respect for the Word, the Lord, or anything else. And they're finding Christ, which is an awesome thing. And then they run to here and to there and to our meetings and they get trained to prophesy, cast out devils, heal the sick. But then when they get back from the streets of doing street evangelism, street healing, street deliverance, they're sleeping with their boyfriend and girlfriend. They're pro-gay marriage, they're pro-abortion and they don't see a disconnect. It's not enough to teach people that they do the stuff because when you do the stuff, there are greater responsibilities with greater gifts. One thing I'm having to learn, moving into a fathering role is that my spiritual sons and daughters and my natural daughter needs to surpass me in gifting. But hear this. Just because somebody's gift is stronger than me doesn't mean as a spiritual father that I can't call them to account for their character. And there's a mentality sometimes around hyper-gifted people of saying, but you know what? I see more angels than you do. I see more people. This is one of the things I appreciate our pastors. See, because it takes a secure pastor to have gifted people in their congregation. Because insecure pastors will feel like they have to be the best at everything or else they're going to be insecure and they're going to try. And we have gifted people that think because you pray or you fly around heaven and you see angels or you wave and people fall or people get healed, they think that because they have the gift that somehow they're called to lead the church. They feel that they are called to tell the pastor how to do things. Leadership is not based on gifting. It's based on calling and maturity. God will, God will gift a donkey. Remember in Scripture, God spoke to a donkey. So if you're gifted, you're, you're a donkey, okay? But a donkey doesn't lead. And so we need secure leaders who are sons and daughters and find their security not in their gift or their title or their position or their influence, but in Jesus and the Father. Then out of that, though, we can raise up the gifted ones, but it's not just be gifted. It's also have that responsibility. Let's move on. And here's why I want to jump off for the main part of the message. Jesus is speaking. I've come to start a fire on this earth. How I wish it were blazing right now, he said back then, 2,000 years ago. I've come to change everything, turn everything right side up. How I long for it to be finished. Listen to this. Jesus said, do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Do you know there are a lot of Christians right now in 2021 America, that's what they're looking for. Just comfort. God let things get back to normal. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. God, just let things get back to normal. Kim and I have been all over the world. And I can tell you this. I have, I have suffered to a dimension around the world, but I've suffered for a week or two. And I get to, back, I get to come back to America. 
You see, we as Americans, by and large, don't understand. We may go somewhere, we may suffer for a little time, but there are people dying for the cause of Christ, and American Christians are crying because, oh, I get persecution, i got to wear a mask, I can't believe it. I hate masks. But can I tell you something? If you're crying around about persecution, I do understand there are, you know, evil agendas. Please don't think I'm, I'm dismissing that. But the American church has become such crybabies. You know, and, and so Jesus said, I didn't come to make your life comfortable. Amos chapter 6 verse 1 says, Woe to those who've gotten comfortable in the house of God. He said, I, I, uh, I didn't come to do that. I've come to disrupt and confront. How many of you know this house carries an anointing of confrontation? And I love it. From now on, when you find five, five, find five people in a house, it will be three against two and two against three. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against bride, bride against mother-in-law. God's not saying, Jesus is not saying, I'm going to come and make you hate one another. He's saying, but when I come and light the fire in my presence, it will divide. Now think about it. Right now the church is divided over politics and masks. When, when we see the real fire of God kindled, it's going to be much further than that. There's a scripture in Jeremiah. Is it 12, 5, somewhere? In the, when, when it says this, if you stumbled in the safe country, how are you surviving the thickets by the Jordan? If you've gotten worn out running with the footmen, how do you survive with the horses? The American church has been so coddled and, and given nothing but the milk of the word that overall, not every one of us, but overall, the American church is stumbling and falling in the midst of very little trouble comparatively. How are we going to survive in the days that are ahead? God is preparing us to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus turned to the crowd and they said, when clouds, when you see clouds coming in from the west, you say, storm's coming. And you're right. When the wind comes out of the south, you say, this will be a hot one. And you're right. Then listen to this in the message. Jesus said, frauds. You know how to tell a change in the weather. So don't tell me you can't tell a change in the season, the God season we're in right now. Isaiah, God says, who is as blind as my messenger? Who is as deaf as my servant? Part of my concern with the overall prophetic movement is we have been spiritually blind and deaf to the bigger issues. Understand, I was talking about some in class today. It's fine if God truly speaks to you about a virus or an election and everything else, but can I tell you there are bigger issues that's the heart of our nation. Many of us put our hope in what the Supreme Court would do. How many have found you can't put your hope there? Our hope cannot be in the systems of man. God will use the systems of man. We need to pray for righteousness in those. But our hope is in Christ and what God's doing in our lives. And so that brings us to um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, where the writer of Hebrews, probably Paul, said, Our God is a consuming fire. So I want to lay out what I believe are three distinct uh, seasonal or generational expressions of fire in the Word of God. In the Old Covenant, there was an anointing of natural fire. 
You remember Elijah, when he was crying out to call the people to repentance, there was a natural physical fire that came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And just as an aside, the fire on Mount Carmel was not a fire of judgment. It was a fire of demonstration. There are some people we get so mad at the world around us saying, like the disciples, you want us to call it on fire, God? God's fire there was not to destroy people. It was to demonstrate his glory. You know there's something better than destruction of the systems? And that is the revelation of his glory that changes hearts. And that's what the prophetic anointing of Elijah did. But it was a natural fire. Moses, the burning bush, natural fire. Fire and hail on Egypt. He was the mountain who was on fire. So there was an Old Testament manifestation of natural fire. Then we come to the new covenant, the early church. On the day of Pentecost, it was the spiritual fire. Yes, there was a visible manifestation for a moment of time, but it did not last and was not visible from what we know to anybody else. What was visible was the change the fire inside had wrought in the disciples. So it was a generation or a season, a time of spiritual fire. So you take the natural fire of the old covenant, the spiritual fire of the, the new covenant, and I believe at the end of time, there's going to be a generation that has both the natural and the spiritual. And I believe that's what we are entering into right now. And Joel 2, speaking of the end of time, it says there will be signs in the heavens, blood and fire and billows of smoke. I don't know all that that means. I don't know how God's going to do it. We've all probably heard testimonies at different times from the Zusa Street Revival and other times when the fire of God was so strong spiritually in a house, people thought the physical building was on fire and called the fire department. But that was just a, that was a phys outward manifestation of a spiritual fire. But God seems to be saying there's going to be actual, actual natural fire demonstrated from heaven in the end time. Revelation chapter 11. God said, I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees, the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouth and devours their enemies. <laughs> Talk about dragon breath. Um, do you believe this is natural? I do. But here's, and I don't want to make a doctrine out of this, but I don't see where it specifically limits it to two people. Now, some say it's Elijah and Enoch because neither of them died naturally. Some say it's Elijah and Moses because both had the physical fire demonstrated in their Old Testament ministries. Some say it's the church in Israel, one new man, two witnesses. But regardless, there's going to be at least two and maybe more that have the natural, the, the power of God if somebody comes against them to open their mouth and release fire. Hollywood has nothing on the end times. I don't know what this is going to look like. And I know maybe, maybe your eschatology, your entire theology says we're out of here before all this happens. But the reality is there's going to be demonstration of fire. In Revelation chapter 8, Verse 7, the first trumpet judgment says there will be hail and fire mixed with blood. 
And so, if I'm seeing right, there's going to be an end-time manifestation of natural fire that is going to destroy the enemies of God, is going to demonstrate His glory, and I'm not asking, I'm not praying, God, burn the White House. No, I, I, we can't put that on, erase that from tape. That's not a true threat. I'll get the FBI on there, DOJ or whatever. Um, we're talking about God releasing the judgments. But think about it. Everything God does on earth since the, the, uh, the birth of the church, he's done through his people. Again, I'm not trying to make a doctrine here. But are these things just going to fall out of heaven? Or is God going to raise up a church so full of the spiritual fire he can entrust us with the natural fire? Are the end time judgments of God coming through the people of God? But how many of you know, for God to entrust us to that kind of authority and power, we have to have his heart. So God is preparing us with his heart. And so there will be natural fire, but then there will also be a generation of spiritual fire. Of course, we know on the day of Pentecost, they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. But you remember in Acts, was it four or five? They had already been baptized, but the place where they were gathered praying was shaken and they were filled again. It's not enough just to have prayed in tongues five years ago, ten years ago, one month ago. We need to be consistently shaken. Somebody's talking about shaken but not stirred. A lot of us get shaken in God, but we've got to be stirred to change. And so there's a fire of God in the natural and in the spiritual in these last days. So what is it the fire of God accomplishes in our life? I think fire of God does several things. One is he ignites a fresh passion in us. So Brian and Bran are leaving in a couple of weeks for the 26th anniversary. Now, how many of you think Brian is trying to, it may be already it's just so natural, it oozes out of him. How many of you think he's got some romantic ideas, you know, a candlelit, a candlelit dinner, a a bouquet of flowers, or whatever it is that, you know, is is their expression. You know what? There's a fire. There's a passion. You're going to be married for 26 years. Think about it. Brandon's been married to that guy for 26 years. And there's still a passion. But guess what? They're taking time away from normal life to rekindle that romance. Not because something's bad, but because they want that fire to continue to burn and grow and develop. Well, guess what? No matter how long you've been saved, God wants to uh, ignite a fresh fire of passion inside of our lives. The romance of heaven. Song of Solomon says that love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Probably told you I had a uh, Puerto Rican evangelist friend, and he uh, was talking to a girlfriend one time on the phone. I overheard him, and he was getting all Latin on her. He's like, oh, baby, you light my fire. Sounded like junior high school to me, but still, the man was passionate. There needs to be a passion demonstrated. You know, Kim has always thought it's so cute when she sees an older couple. Of course, now that we're pushing 60, a couple of years. Uh, but she's always thought it was so cute, so uh, wonderful to see an elderly couple holding hands, him pulling out the chair for her, opening the door, just sweet little things. It's always just touched her heart. Can I tell you, no matter how old you are in the Lord, there's always a place for the romance of heaven. And the fire of God relights that inside of us. What, what was taught to the church at Ephesus? It done a lot of great things, but you lost your first love. 
And so God wants to rekindle the fire of passion in us. He wants the fire of purity to burn inside of us. You see, the reality is, in my opinion, is we're not going to have the authority as the church against the filth in the world if we allow even the uh, seed of that filth in our own lives. We understand our authority doesn't come from our ability to do the right thing. It comes from God. But God can entrust His authority when we have His heart and His character. And so the purity of the Lord needs to work inside of us. Some prophets have been saying that they believe there's about to be exposure of sin even in the church realm. Well, you know what? That's not just something for 2021. It's been going on. But God is going to continue to expose sin in the church and in the leadership. But the Bible says this. If we would judge ourselves, we would not have to come under judgment. I, I, I believe it's, when I, I know as a young man, I would, um, one of my constant prayers was, uh, Lord, search me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. I still pray it. But from the time I was young, I said, God, in fact, I, I prayed a prayer one time that in my flesh sometimes I've regretted. Years ago, we're being taped. Um, what can I say? Years ago, there was a well-known prophet that he stood on a platform in Kansas City, and uh, we were in the service, and he said God showed him four leaders in the body of Christ that had hidden sin in their life, and if they didn't repent, God would take them out. It's in front of a few, few thousand people. We were there. And then he named them. And one of them was himself. One of those leaders he named, a year later, got cancer and died. One of those leaders, within the next two, three years, got cancer and died. Um, one of the leaders, as far as I know, has been fine through the years. And then that prophet that said that got exposed in homosexuality, drunkenness. He had continual heart problems, almost died numerous times, and then went to be with, well, he died. Only God knows his eternal destination. I'm not passing judgment. But... He did not die with the honor of the Lord. And I watched this as a young prophetic minister, and I prayed this. I prayed, God, don't raise the profile of my ministry beyond the character of my heart. And there are times when I felt hidden and forgotten, I've regretted that prayer. I hope you, I'm trying to be light there, but I hope you get what I'm saying. There are times my flesh said, God, I want my place with the big prophets. God said, yeah, but you prayed this. That's not that I have some hidden sin. But understand, we've got to come to a place of saying, God, let there be purity in me and not just recognition for the anointing and the gifting. Even as a, as a local church, God, purity. So the fire brings purity. The fire ignites our prayer. James 5.16, the effectual red-hot prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, let's go back to the romance um, illustration. Now, isn't it wonderful when a husband loves his wife so much, he wants to shout it to the housetop, I love this woman. She's my trophy wife. She's my treasure. That's awesome. But you know what? Sometimes what the bride wants is not a yell to everybody. She wants the uh, sweet nothings whispered in her ear. Red hot prayer is not about how loud I can yell. I hope you see the analogy I'm trying to bring. 
Red hot prayer is not about our volume. It's not about how much you scream and holler, jump and wave banners. I, I love all of that. But it's about the fire of our heart when we pray. So there's red hot fiery prayer, the incense before burning before the throne. What else does fire do? It brings power for breakthrough and deliverance. Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in the fiery furnace. They're saved. Well, let me ask, what was the only thing that burned? The bondage. The fire of God, even the child and temptation of our faith, is to do one thing, and that is to set us free from the bondages. When they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Can we believe that the church of Jesus Christ will come out of this current season not even smelling like 2020 and 21? You don't have to smell. You don't have your identity in the past. Have you ever met somebody, their whole identity is in what God set them free from and not who they are now? Your testimony has power, but that's not your identity. You know, was it uh, um, AA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, have helped a lot of people. But the ones, one of the struggles I have is that they tell a person, you're always an alcoholic. And I understand they're trying to say, don't, don't take any, you know, don't, don't think you can have even a sip of alcohol because you have this issue. But I have a problem when we make somebody's identity their past. Didn't scripture say, this is who you used to be, but now you're sons and daughters. So we don't have to smell like yesterday. We can smell like the fragrance of, of heaven. So fire brings breakthrough and deliverance. Fire brings promotion. When the, when the, uh, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fiery furnace and the king saw what happened, he promoted them in the kingdom of God. The fire of God will work when you and I go through the trials of fire. When our nation is going through the trial of fire, there's the potential for advancement. To go higher into the glory realm of God. And so God wants to light a fire under us and propel us, thrust us into heaven. Does anybody old enough to remember the old Batman TV show? You know, the campy pow, bang, kaboom, and all that. And remember, so uh, uh, Bruce Wayne, you know, get the call from Commissioner Gordon and, you know, Robin to the bat. That cave and slide down the pole and somehow their clothes change and, and uh, they get down there they jump in the Batmobile the you know the Batmobile the Bat Cave Bat Time Bat you know whatever and and they jump in and they hit the Bat Thruster anybody remember that and so this fire would burst out from the back of the Batmobile and they you know fly out of that cave you know what the fire of God's going to do He's going to light your Batmobile <laughs> God is going to propel you. If you've ever watched a rocket take off from the earth, there's a fire that's got to help break it free from the pull of the earth. You get the analogy, right? The only way we're going to break free from the pull of the worldliness around us is by the fire of God. But then what happens? The rocket ascends and throws off yesterday's stage and the new fire lights. And that happens two or three times to the old style rockets. Here's one of the issues. The church got a fire in the 90s, whatever it is, and we're still trying to go on that fire. And God's saying, throw off that stage and let me light a new fire. There's a new fire for a new stage and a new day. And that fire will propel us outside of the atmosphere, not just out of the gravity of, of earth, but out of the atmosphere of the world into the heavenly atmosphere. You want to know what it takes to get to the heavenly atmosphere of the person? I had a vision one time, and I saw a rocket taking off, a fire, all this, but the, 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 the rocket got stuck at the atmosphere of earth. 
And the Lord said, that's my church. She's, she's, uh, she's break, broken free from a lot of the worldliness, but she's gotten stuck. And I watched as it threw off the last stage, a new fire lit. It ascended into the, the heavenly realm, the throne of God. Around the throne in the vision, I saw the rainbow. And the, the rocket hit the rainbow around the throne of God. It turned into a rainbow-colored river that flooded from heaven down the earth and covered the earth. That is, the promises of God are not just up there. They need to be manifest on earth. But it's going to take a church released in the fire of God to ascend to the heavenly realm and grab a hold and and, and, uh, express the promises of God. So the fire of God does all these things. Let me bring it to a close. The fire of God brings us into a face-to-face encounter with his presence. Moses in the burning bush. You see, Moses... I believe, knew there was something different about him. He may have been born a Hebrew, raised in Pharaoh's palace, but he saw the Hebrew slave being beaten. And I believe Moses, I can't prove this biblically, doctrinally, but I believe Moses had a sense of a destiny, of a deliverer. But he was not yet ready and didn't wait on God's time and way, and so he rose up to bring freedom to the one Hebrew slave by killing the Egyptian. But his heart to bring deliverance ended up in disaster. The whole teaching can bring about that, about doing the right thing in the wrong way or the wrong time can bring disaster. So Moses had to go to the backside of the desert. You know the story, 40 years. Finally, Israel began to cry out, God set us free. Can I tell you, we're waiting. God's preparing us, but there's a cry about to come out of our nation of people that want freedom. You see, Moses was not released until Israel cried out for freedom. I want us to believe that America is going to cry out for freedom. Spiritually, naturally, politically, every other way. But we've got to be ready when they cry out to be the deliverer, to bring the answer. And Moses, he encounters God at the burning bush. He was transformed and released. And then Moses, and I, I love your name of this church. Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. Here's how I phrase it. God, without your presence, I don't want to fulfill my purpose. Can we truly say, God, without your presence, I don't want gifting, anointing. I want your presence. And I believe God is causing us, calling us to be burning bushes in the midst of a desert culture, a desert generation. You see, remember why Moses turned aside to this burning bush? It wasn't because it was on fire. It was because it was on fire, but it was not being destroyed. There are a lot of fires in our culture right now. There are a lot of voices of fire, but their fire of passion is destroying them. The difference between our fire and their fire is the fire of God will consume what's flesh, but it doesn't destroy us. It sets us free. And I say, God, let us become ourselves a burning bush in the midst of a desert nation because then people will turn aside you see Moses he had to stop normal life and encounter the burning bush has the church had something to say that's going to cause our nation to actually turn aside and pay attention to us I believe God's preparing the church for that the fire of God brings manifestation I talked about Elijah The fire of God is going to issue through the church and end-time judgments of God. But even the end-time judgments of God are destroying the enemies of God so the church of Jesus Christ can come to freedom. 
Judgment is not out of hatred. It's out of grace for his people. And I say, God, we need a fresh baptism of fire. A fire that will propel us. A fire that will cause us to fall in love with Jesus all over again. John the Baptist, the prototype for New Testament, old ending of Old Testament, beginning of New Testament, prophetic ministry. He said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so what we're going to pray tonight is that God would baptize us with a fresh fire from heaven. And the way we're going to move into that here in a moment is if there's any personal ministry beyond what I've shared uh, corporately that God wants to do prophetically, we're going to do that. And then uh, the, the prayer team of the church is going to join me. We want to lay hands on you. We want to pray for a fresh baptism of fire. But would you stand to your feet with me for a moment? Father, we thank you for your word, your presence, your spirit, your fire. God, we thank you for all that you've been doing, all you still are doing um, in, in our lives. God, we thank you for uh, the, the, the revelation uh, you were beginning to speak to us uh, corporately. Some of it may be applying personally. Lord, we pray that in these next moments, you would apply personally the revelation of the Lord. And then, God, that you would encounter us with a fire of God, that there would be a fresh baptism of fire. Father, we understand we are not going to be spectators watching others burn. But I remember now the famous uh, saying that somebody said, come and watch me burn. God, that is what we want. We want the world to see us burn with the fire of God. So they, they will turn aside from their sin and their lostness and their brokenness, and they will turn aside and encounter God in the midst of the burning bush, uh, the burning flame of God in your people and your church. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Look this way just for a moment, if you would. We were talking about an anointing for business, an anointing for starting some things with business. We were talking about, and I didn't get to this part, I believe some, maybe one, maybe more, but that part of the anointing in your life is to literally help training and raising up entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I know the modern term is coaching. I don't necessarily have to buy into that word, but um, it, it's, it's not. But that whole thing of it's time to have babies. It's time to birth the purposes of God. It's time to take the promise God's given you and walk it into fulfillment. I believe that for the church and the building. It is time to birth this, this place of, of Rehoboth and Sheba for this house. But it goes beyond that. And so if you feel that God has given you a heart, a desire, a vision to birth something, it might be a business, a ministry, maybe it's a natural baby, but maybe it's a, a, you know, something, and you feel like, God, you've given me this vision, but I'm confused about the timing. And I want to know, God, is this the time to launch this, to birth this? If that describes you at all, wave at me. Has anybody, you've been there? That's a lot of you. Um, and, and, Pastor, I'm going to let you help me give direction here. If, if there has been a vision of something that God wants you to birth, ministry, business, whatever, and you say, I need to know the timing of God, if you raise your hand, just come stand with me just for a moment, okay? Um, and, and we're going to speak into to that. Um, when, I, when I said, it was like someone, their sense was you're here for sunset, but God is saying it's not sunset for you, it's sunrise for a new assignment, okay? Um, is there anybody that, that, that that's 
describes the circumstances. It's almost like you came here to retire at sunset, but God is saying it's time for a new assignment. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay. And then that, okay, in, in the spiritual, okay. And, and again, just give me the, the, the grace to, to be wrong and see where it is. Does the word sunset or sunrise mean anything in particular to somebody when it comes to birthing something fresh or something new? What, what, what does that mean? You live where the sun rises now, but God's calling you to where the sun sets. Really? Uh, just right across the state. Oh, so. Okay, it was, it was that, yeah, from sunset to sunrise and sunrise to sunset. That's what, what God's been doing here. We want to pray into, into that. Um, is there anyone else as well? Okay. Okay, we're going to pray and ask God for this. And, and look, you know, you all know our story. That was Shekinah. We couldn't have children for 17 years, and then God gave that. For whatever reason, it's like even before Shekinah came, we had a faith, a gift, whatever, for praying for childless couples to have children. And so we're not going to pray for you to have a baby unless you tell me you want a baby. But if, if, you, if, if you are desiring child, children, you know, first or maybe another, and you say, I, I need a miracle, then, then please feel free to come and join us standing up here if you would. So stretch your hands for these that are, are here. Father, we thank you. Um, God, for our brother. Lord, uh, move from one side of Florida to the other. God, in his case, it was from the side of the sun rise to the place of the sunset. But God, in the natural, Lord, while he has come and moved, and, and just uh, some people are working with us. And so, God, even as he moved in the natural, we thank you, though, God, that, Lord, he's not here just for the sunset years of purpose. But, God, that there's a sunrise of a fresh assignment. And I don't, of course, know what, what you did, what, you know, what brought you here, all these other things. But it's like the Lord is saying, and please test all of this. But it's like the Lord is saying, I'm going to take the foundations I placed in you and I even mentored in you from others. Not, they, they weren't always wonderful, you know, perfect mentors. But God had put people in your life that through the positive and the negative, you saw and were mentored. And God says, son, I'm going to allow you. Part of this fresh assignment is going to be helping lay foundations in aimless people. I don't understand this, but I see people, especially a generation that seems aimless, and you're going to speak uh, foundations in their life because God had to shake some foundations. Even when you had, uh, it sounds like you had outward foundations set, outward buildings set in your own life, and God shook your natural life down so that he could get to the foundations in your heart. And God has been building those foundations now so they're foundations of God and, and the Word and, and, and integrity and these things. And God says, Son, you're going to help lay foundations of Jesus and integrity in a new generation. So God, release, we pray. God, that touch of the fire of your presence, oh God. Now, Father, we thank you. We pray, God, for a fire of birthing. Lord, that you would cause the dreams and the visions and the purposes to be birthed. Uh, Cody, again, attest this, but during worship, I felt the Lord saying, and, and see where it goes, that the projects of 
of, of worship and presence that are going to bring souls. I just keep hearing presence evangelism. And God, I, I, it's just like the Lord is saying, there are things I'm putting within you that are going to be produced and released, but it's not just going to be in the worship vein. It literally is going to carry the presence of God to reach out and bring in the lost. So God, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know all that that is, but the Lord, I really sense. And, and so please test it. But the Lord seems to be saying, it is not time to wait until the perfection of everything comes together. It's time to push because when it comes time for birth, it doesn't just happen. The woman has to push. And the Lord says, y'all are going to have to push some, but God is going to bring it to birth and that's going to be healthy. Uh, because you know what? I, I, I keep hearing this. There is unhealth in the worship movement. But God says, son, I'm raising you and your, your wife and their team up to bring health in the worship arena and it's going to be not just centered on self. It's not just going to, oh, we're going to have a worship party. We're going to have a worship experience. But it's going to be encountering his presence in a way that releases his presence. So, God, for this, for this man, for the worship team, God, for this house, may the presence of God not just be an end to itself. Oh, we came, we had church, we partied in God and went home. May the presence of God be released out of this house, out of these families, out of this people. Lord, in such a way it transforms culture. Father, we pray. Lord, we pray that the, um, as training centers are established through victory, God, that you would give them understanding of what an apostolic entrepreneurial business training center looks like. God, they don't have to do it because I prophesy it, but God, if you direct them and confirm it, would you bring the right people? In fact, God's already brought you a lot of the people that can do it. So God, give them understanding of what that looks like. Lord, we pray for the, the purposes of God to be released and birthed. Um, I was talking about uh, some of these business ideas I sense were going to be multi-location or multi-expression between cities and some, it seemed like even a bridging between nations. Is there any of you that you either are or have a desire to birth something in the business realm that crosses boundaries? Okay, some of I, I just really sense that there's going to be um, a favor. And remember how I said this that God's going to give relationship with some Rahabs. Not everybody we do kingdom business with starts out as a kingdom person. But the, the, the influence of God's favor on our lives can influence them for the kingdom. For some of you, I'm going to believe that God's going to bring you a kingdom person, but some, God's going to give you a Rahab. And the favor of God on you is going to save them as well. And it's going to, it's going to open up doors. I, I don't understand all the world of finance, but there's um, friends of mine, they're working in other countries, helping to raise up and establish kingdom business in a way that in the midst of turmoil and poverty, the church is flourishing. So God, we pray. If, if that describes you, you wave your hand, just lift your hands. If that describes uh, what God's stirring in your heart. And so God, we pray for these Lord, that have this heart for uh, entrepreneurial, uh, uh, apostolic kingdom business ideas. Lord, that cross boundaries of cities, of cultures, and of nations. God, make a way. Lord, there's something about, um, you know, I was talking, my brother, I was talking about uh, being people that live in a futuristic mindset. See, a lot of us, we talk just what we are now, but there are people that can see ahead. 
and you see trends. And there's something about you, something about the gifting on your life, you see ahead. And it can, it can make you feel like you're out of step and out of sync sometimes with not just the church world, but even the business world. But the Lord says, son, you're not going to be the oddball always. I'm going to let people see the favor of God. Now, obviously, not every idea is a God idea. But the Lord is saying, son, I'm going to, how do I put this? I'm going to prune the ideas until it's the seed form of what God has put in you. But you are a futuristic thinker. And now God says, son, I'm going to give you the plan and the strategies to begin moving that way. And somehow it's not just going to bring blessing to you, but it's going to ignite others. Because somehow something that you're going to produce in God is going to help people not be dependent on the government. And so, Father... Stretch your hands toward him if you would. Father, we ask for the release of the fire of your presence to release kingdom expression. God, we thank you. And God, we tear down the words others have said that have, have erected a, a, a stronghold and the way he views himself. God, he is a futuristic thinker and not just out of sync and out of step, oh God. So, Lord, we thank you for that release by the presence of God. Father, we thank you. Lord, there are anointings um, that are going to bring wholeness. I, I, don't know if, if, um, I don't know if that's you, if it's you. It's just like somehow there's something that God is giving you is going to help bring wholeness to people. Um, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. There's something about wholeness. Does that make sense? Um, and, and, and so I, I don't, I, I'm not getting any more than that, but there's something about business that's going to help release wholeness into people's lives. People are so fragmented, um, even in, in, our, in our time, our season right now. I mean, we're even, those that are watching the Olympics are even seeing, you know, the, the top gymnasts and get fragmented and, and, and the lack of wholeness. And that's not a condemnation, but a lack of wholeness and body, spirit, soul, all these other things. And the Lord is saying, I do not want my champions who have trained for this moment to be sidelined because of a lack of wholeness. And there's something that God's releasing you because God has been working wholeness in you. And somehow, it's like the Lord said, you, there, there was a season when you spent so much time building and developing that, there was a lack of wholeness in other areas. But God has been shoring that up. He's been healing that. And somehow, I, it's like the Lord says, I'm restoring. I'm restoring years. I'm restoring what the enemy stole. Joel 2, restoring the years. Somehow God says, you're going to move into the next season not feeling like oh, you wasted this many years, but God is going to restore that. So stretch your hands toward him if you would. Father, release of, of kingdom, of business, of entrepreneurial anointing. God, that's going to bring a wholeness to people. So God, let the fire of your presence, Lord, release within him, through him, and over him, we pray, oh God. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. And, and brother, um, I don't know all that you're going to do. I promise it's only in part. It's only one little piece of the puzzle. 
But um, somehow, I just keep sensing the Lord say, there is an expressiveness. Um, I, I, how do I put this? It's like God is going to use you to light a fire in people. That it's, um, how do I put this? It's like um, an ignition, a catalyst. That's the word I'm looking for. There's an anointing to be a catalyst in people's lives. But sometimes it takes tough love. And there's something that God has been working in you. It's almost like what I sense is that some people God can uh, treat with kid gloves, you know. Some, he's got to get in our, in our face. And God's gotten in your face. But you've been, you've been willing. You've been responsive. But the Lord says, son, I'm going to give you people that rub you the wrong way. People that you, you don't necessarily like everything about them in the natural. But God is going to give you tough love for a rebellious people. But they're not going to stay in rebellion. They're going to be reached by the tough love of the Lord. And so God, let him be a catalyst. God, his own, his own life. But God, that which you birthed through him to be a catalyst. Lord, to raise up. <laughs> this is almost strange. It's almost like the Lord says, Son, I'm going to use you to raise up some loud mouths. <laughs> so God, let the anointing of the loud mouth, Lord, let the anointing of the shadow of heaven be released in him and through him, O oh God, for the purposes of God. Father, we thank you. Just worship the Lord again for a moment. Lord, we honor you. We worship you. We praise you, God. Understand, even if I don't have a personal word, God is responding and releasing that into your faith. So, God, we pray, Lord, for the, the, the expressions. Lord, the, uh, uh, Lord, for, Lord, we hear the, the teaching about the seven mountains, oh God. May out of this house there come businesses and expressions into all seven mountains. There is an anointing, you know, for all of you um, as a church. We know the mantle and mandate for government in this house. On our pastor, yes, but also on the house. But I, when I was talking earlier about the prosperity of God with Isaac, caused the actual governmental leaders to come to him and want to make a covenant. God, we pray that over this house. God, over the people of this house. So, Lord, we ask for that release of God. Just take a moment and worship him, all of us together. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Some of you, it's going to be like, and, and I'm not prophesying this in the natural, but some, they've raised their kids and think, okay, I've done my job as a parent. All of a sudden, uh, surprise, we're pregnant again. And some of you in the business realm or in the ministry realm is that, okay, I birthed it, I raised it, I gave it away, it's now going on its own, and now I'm done. But God says, surprise, you're going to get pregnant with new vision again. You're going to get pregnant with new vision again. You're going to get pregnant with new vision again. New businesses, new ministries, new understandings. And you're going to birth it in a time when everybody else is trying to survive, but you will thrive. So God, release that, we pray. We give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Um. 
in just a moment, um, the, the prayer team's going to come. They're going to join me. And we just want to pray for everyone that wants to receive prayer for a baptism of fire. A baptism of fire. I wanted to share what I felt prophetically, corporately for us before so we can go into some personal ministry without taking this a lot of time in that as we move into this final uh, time together before we dismiss. But God, here's what I pray. Because, Lord, sometimes we come to a prophetic meeting and we say, well, I, I need to hear from God. Lord, I pray all of us would hear from you right now. Lord, the, the prophetic is not about one person calling out a few people. But, Lord, it's about us hearing the voice of God. It's about the thunderings of heaven. So, God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, what you're doing and how you're, you're accomplishing this. Um, Lord, we pray for, Lord, even as this church is going to find its building and lands, not land, but lands, oh, God, I pray that, Lord, the sons and daughters of this house, Lord, would, would own lands, be, buildings, deeds. God, not just for our own blessing, but that we may become part of the source for our city. God, would you cause Sarasota to become a prototype kingdom city? Lord, let this region be one of the cities of refuge in the times of the end. The picture I keep seeing, you know how in science fiction, um, sometimes a city is protected from, you know, uh, the, the lack of oxygen in space by a dome, like a glass dome over it. The picture I kept seeing is like a, an invisible dome of the glory of God over the city. But understand, that comes because of the presence of God. It doesn't just come out of heaven. It arises from within the people of God because we carry the presence of God. So God, may the presence of God arise within this city and become a dome of protection in the years of the future. And God, may it be a base where people are trained, released, sent out as special forces for the kingdom of God and then come back in for safety, training, and healing. So Father, we thank you. Now God, would you baptize us with a fresh fire. Come on, lift your hands. In fact, just, just lift your hands. If, if you're able and you're comfortable with stepping out of your seat, those that are still there, just come. And whether you find a place in the front or in the aisles, would you just stretch your hands to the Lord? And you know what? Whether we all lay hands on you or not, it's the hand of God. So I want us to cry out, lift your voice for a moment, and begin to ask God for a fresh baptism of fire. So God, thank you for the baptism of fire. Lord, the fire of passion, the fire of purity, the fire that propels us into destiny and future, oh God. Lord, let the fire of protection, the fire of deliverance, oh God, the fire of promotion, Lord, let the fire of God, Lord, burn within us. May we encounter the very presence of God in the burning bush, and may we become a burning bush in the deserts of culture, oh God. Lord, release us as men and women, as young people, as children. God, to burn. May we burn and the world turn aside to see the fire of God inside of us. 
Come on, lift your voice now and begin to pray in tongues. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to release the fire of God. If you've not been baptized in the Spirit yet, let Him do it now. Roma to see the fire of your presence. to see a fire that releases the roar of God, the purpose of God, the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the power of God. There's a fire of God burning away disease. If you need healing, receive the fire of God that burns away the disease. We say disease cancer, illness, destruction is now burned away by the presence of Almighty God. Um, I, 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 see, um, I see like muscular problems, I, especially muscular diseases and atrophy. I don't know if it's muscular, uh, what was it, a dystrophy or MA, I, I just, but I, I see muscular chronic disease not just injury, but disease being healed. God, would you release healing, God, even in muscular disease? And Lord, set people free. God, let the fire of your presence burn in our minds and our souls. God, that mental and emotional struggles and battles Lord, would be overcome by the fire of God. And God, let us release fire. God, we desire your love for the lost. God, may we burn with the fire of your passion and compassion for the lost. Lord, as we as a church reach out in fresh evangelistic ways, God, Friday, whenever it is, they're going out on the streets. God, yes, there's a time for talking and giving a track and, and just having conversation. But God, out of those moments of opportunity, would you release revelation and release power in such a way that the people of Sarasota actually have an encounter with Jesus? And God, thank you that we don't have to make it happen. We can just love people with your love. And Lord, you're right there to meet that need. So, God, we thank you. Lord, may the greatest signs and wonders happen as we go into the community. And Father, we thank you. Lord, and may there be a fire of passion that is not just public proclamation. Again, to go to the, the analogy of, of romance and marriage, the passion is not just in public when everybody else can see. The passion has got to be lived out. God, let us live lives of passion in the secret place. Let us live lives of passion when nobody else sees what we're doing and saying and, and participating in. And yet, God, the fire of your passion directs our life. And Lord, 
we pray for the fire of God to fall within our nation and every church but God here's what we pray God may the fire of demonstration fall in the White House God my own my own natural emotions wants a fire of judgment but God before judgment would you release a fire of demonstration the Supreme Court and the White House. God, in every governmental institution throughout our nation and to the nations of the earth, Pastor Ed was praying earlier for Cuba, um, uh, for, for South Africa. It's, uh, there's things happening in Australia. There are things happening in Nicaragua. It's all over the world. There's unrest. Things going. May the fire of your presence descend and arise. Lord, burn away the chaff. Demonstrate the glory of our God. And turn, turn the hardest hearts to you. And God, we thank you when the fire has finished its purpose. Those that turn will be repented of. And Lord, they will turn to you. Those that won't repent, God, the fire of God destroys the enemy as well. A fire will go out of the mouths of your witnesses and destroy the enemy. So God, let us walk as people of fire the honor and the glory of Jesus alone. Would you with me just to live a, lift a clap of praise to the Lord Jesus. We worship the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord. His fire never sleeps. Amen. His fire never sleeps. This meeting will never really end. The lights will go off. The air conditioners will be turned off. But the fire never sleeps. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing now. And all that you're doing even through this night. As you minister to us. We seal by the power of the Holy Ghost what you are releasing. We thank you, Lord, for the ministering angels of fire that are with us as well. Hallelujah. I bless your beautiful work, Father. I thank you for your church. I thank you for these men and women of God, our children tonight on this campus. And I bless you guys in Jesus' name. I know it's late. A lot of families got to go get your children. Our kids have been in there a long time. So let's go get them. Let's take good care of them. Guys, we love you. Have a, have a supernatural week. It's been a powerhouse night. Love on each other, okay? Love big. Good night.